Hello, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller, and this is The Ziggler Show, where our goal is to inspire your true performance. In this episode, earning trust in your business. The greatest asset your business and you can have is to have people's trust. However, most everyone believes they are trustworthy, yet in truth, few employ the tangible actions to actually gain trust, to stand out different than anyone else. So many people claim terms like integrity and honesty and expect their good intent to shine through, but to actually gain trust and customer loyalty, it takes specific methodologies, which are fairly simple to put into action, but very, very rare in execution. So we kick off the show with a two and a half minute message from Zig Ziglar on gaining trust in your business and the power of it. Then I asked the Ziglar audience this question, do you have an example of a business or business person that has earned your trust? And if you have a business, how do you earn people? people's trust. Well, Tom Ziegler joined me for this discussion and here's what happened in the first 20 minutes, Tom weighs in on how he sees trust being impacted and influenced in the workplace today due to the current COVID-19 crisis. It's relevant for any time, but for those of you who are involved right now, uh, listening right now during the COVID-19 crisis, this is going to be profound. Well, then we dig into some of the comments uh, and then about an hour into the show, about the hour mark, we land on exceeding expectations. And folks, don't miss this segment. Even if you skip forward to it, it's a massive opportunity for all of us. And, and, and hear this, your good intentions again, and this is what we get into again, are not enough. Your good intentions are not enough. Expertly meeting your customers' expectations are not enough. Don't fall for the trap of thinking that your heart is going to shine through and your work is going to shine through and speak for itself. We all want that to happen, but there is behavioral psychology at work that needs tangible anchors to hold on to. And we aim to give you some of those in this episode. I've got some great products and services to share with you. Then I'll queue up our message from Zig Ziglar and then get into the conversation with Tom Ziglar. There are a lot of important people in life. But let's explore why the philosophy of you can have everything in life you want. If you'll have enough other people get what they want. How does it work in the corporate world? Again, you might say, now wait a minute, Zig. I work on Main Street. I deal with Wall Street. I challenge you to pick up, go to the library if need be, or give me your card and we'll send you a copy. An issue of the December the 8th, 1989 issue of the Wall Street Journal. In this uh, issue, they talk about the Golden Rule Companies. Do unto others, you know, as you want them to do unto you. You can have what you want, help other people get what they want. They discovered something rather intriguing about them. Number one, they grow faster. Number two, they make more money. Number three, they have a greater return on equity than do the other companies. Now, let me ask you, what kind of doctor do you want to go to? What kind of store do you want to go to? What kind of uh, service person do you want to deal with? Isn't it always somebody who has a prime interest in you, who's absolutely honest, whose integrity is beyond question, you can absolutely trust? Isn't that the kind of person you like to deal with? Well, the reality is they're more profitable. In the December 1989 issue of Executive Excellence, there's an article by Ken Blanchard 
most everybody recognizes his name as being the one-minute manager. And Dr. Blanchard in this particular article points out that had you invested $30,000 in the stock market across the board, the composite, had you invested $30,000 in it 30 years earlier, at that point you would have had roughly $109,000. But had you taken the same $30,000 and invested it in the 15 companies which have integrity as the base from which they operate, and an announced public policy that the reason they're in business is to serve the public. You can have everything in life you want. If you'll just help enough other people get what they want, you'd have over $1 million. With integrity, as I've often said, you have nothing to fear because you have nothing to hide. All right, Tom, well, as we talk about the specific, tangible, concrete aspects of building a trust in a business, and I keep having to say this in every show right now, as these shows, these are podcasts, people will be listening to these for years from now. Um, and, and so in that, I, I tend to think, I don't want to just talk just about current events, but how can we not? We're in the middle of, we're in the middle. I keep saying that too, and I don't know. We're somewhere along the line of the COVID uh, issue and coronavirus and massive changes in our global livelihood, economy, commerce, marketplace. I mean, it's, it's unprecedented. So uh, I think anything that we say, even in regards to that, it's still in relation to business in general, crisis always can happen. And, you know, who knows what's in store. So uh, you have some commentary on how trust is being what's happening in the marketplace right now during this time. Um, so tell me what's happening. Yeah. So Kevin, there's, you know, with this COVID-19 thing going on, there's a couple of major, uh, things that are happening and they're going to be with us for a while. And, mm -hmm. you know, one of the big ones is this, and that is that whether, whether you're a small business or a large business, suddenly everybody's figured out that a large percentage of people can work very well from home. I mean, that's just a reality. Yeah. I've got a friend uh, in his business <clears throat> out of, I think, 500 employees who worked in an office that, you know, that he owns. Mm -hmm. um, 495 of them are working from home now wow. effectively. That's a huge shift. Yeah, it's massive. Okay. And a lot of small businesses, same thing. Now, let me talk about the trust factor. Okay. Yeah. And, 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 and this is something that we are, um, you know, our, what we do at Ziegler, this is, this is, I, I tell people we were, we were like built for this time uh, that we're in because what we do is we teach people from the inside out, how to build trust, right? Because really, ultimately, the way you create trust is you're a person of integrity. You know how to communicate in a way that that person receiving the communication wants to hear it. You know, you keep your word. I mean, that's what we do at Ziegler. And when we come through this, and we will, the, the starting the engines back, right, and revving the economy, it's going to be a mindset issue 
in the beginning, it's not going to be a skill issue. It's not going to be an issue of our people wanting to go back to work. The whole country wants to go back to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question is going to be the attitude, the belief, the mindset of, Hey, can we go make it happen again? Right? Because if, if there's latent fear, then that's going to be an issue. And so the reality is, is that we're going to start this engine again, but a lot of people are going to remain at home working, right? Because still the social distancing and things that we knew need to do to keep this thing in check, it's going to be good, right? To, to keep that uh, curve squashed, like the experts say. Yeah. So here's, here's what I'm seeing as a huge trend. Uh, and this was already happening, but it's just been put at hyperspeed. The traditional manager type of management, which is here's your job description. Uh, here's what you got to get done this week. Here's your quota. And here's what we expect. Uh, just go do it. Right. And that was in the context of a office situation or a work situation where we had meetings face to face. We had coffee pot conversations. Uh, we had, you know, hallway gossip sessions. And as everybody got to see everybody's facial expressions, body language, uh, senses of humor and all that stuff. Okay. And so a traditional manager, authoritative, you do this, here's your responsibility relationship. It worked for, to some degree because the context of the relationship was there, right? I knew more about you because you would tell me about your weekend. You would tell me what your kids were doing. You would do all that. Okay. So now here's the issue. We've got a whole bunch of people at home right now. Mm -hmm. And let's face it. They're nervous. They're worried. They're anxious. They're scared. Uh, How long is this going to last? Some people are doing their job in a totally different environment and way than they were. Others are doing a much reduced amount of work and much less pay. And others, they've been, they've been, you know, furloughed or let go or whatever that situation is. So there's this rampant um, identity issue. And, and this is why I call it identity. The identity issue is, Um, you know, dad said this, you got to be before you can do, and you got to do before you can have. So I got to be the right kind of person, do the right thing. So I can have all that life has to offer. Mm -hmm. Well, when you ask people, tell me about yourself, they always tell you what they do and what they have. Right. Oh, you know, this is my job. This, well, guess what? For a lot of people, that's either totally changed either environment wise and structure, or they don't, they're not doing it anymore. And so their identity is attacked. And if their income has been cut, the thought process in their head is what I have is going away. I don't know if I can make my house payment. I don't know if I can make my rent payment. I might be living in my car. Oh, wait, they're going to take my car too. (laughs) So, right. So that's, what's going on. So meanwhile, you have all these traditional managers who are now managing their people through Zoom and through phone calls. Okay. And so here's what's happening. What do people in the workplace really need? They need to feel like they're appreciated, they're respected, they're needed, they're loved, they're part of a team and they're part of a community. 
And so an authoritative manager style over a Zoom call, it's going to be all business, right? It's going to be, hey, Kevin, uh, where are you on this project? Were you able to get that thing done? Did you call those customers? And so the context of relationship has been stripped out of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because for a manager who's all business and has done very well and supports their people in the context of the work environment, that, that type of person has very rarely called their people on the weekend and say, Hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Yeah. <laughs> or, or who won the game? Okay. Why? Because that was all professional context conversation that we had in the office, in a meeting, at the hallway, at lunch, that was just part of our everyday life. So what does that mean? So we've known for the last 10 years that the, the authoritative traditional manager, manager style has been decreasing and the coach collaborative style has been increasing. Huh. Well, what's just happened right now? in the marketplace is probably would have what would have taken another five or 10 years to naturally occur is going to be compressed in the next year. And that is if the traditional manager wants to be effective from a zoom room type of communication tool versus face to face and in an office, they're going to have to shift their approach. Because coaching says, hey, Kevin, what are your goals for this year? You know, what do you love about this job? What do you wish you could do more of? Tell me some things that, you know, doesn't make sense in the environment you're in. Uh, How can I help you grow to that next level? What would it look like if you won and we won, right? And so what I'm communicating in a coaching style is, hey, I want the best for you. I want to leverage your greatest skills and assets. Uh, I'm not downplaying what we need as an organization to be successful at all. I'm just trying to put my best player on the best position on the team, right? That's, that's kind of that coach mindset. And so when we're going to build trust in this new world environment where our team and a lot of our players are, are, are working from home, we've got to start thinking about this coach approach, mm-hmm. right? It's got to be an intentional thing. And that's why I'm so, um, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was, maybe God set it up. I don't know. When we, when we started really moving towards this and everything that we do do last year, I mean, we are, we're teaching, we're, we're coaching coaches how to coach. I mean, that's what we do. That's like the main thing. And I did it um, mainly from our mission statement, which is, <laughs> We encourage people, we help people transform, we equip them, and we support them, okay? Well, guess what uh, has just happened to the whole workforce area? <laughs> if you want to use four words uh, as, a, as a leader, manager, as a business owner with your people working remotely, you've got to encourage them. You've got to help them transform successfully into this new world. <laughs> you've got to equip them to be successful, and then you've got to support them. Right. I mean, it's like literally. So how do we build trust? We're going to have to in this new world, we're going to have to change our style. So I was just uh, I had a conversation earlier today 
with one of our coaches. Uh, he also was an insurance uh, with American Family. And uh, he told me, now this is really cool. So American Family is a big insurance group. I don't have mm-hmm. any affiliation with them at all. Uh, but he told me that they are returning $200 million in premiums. Yeah, on, yeah I read that. On auto insurance to their policyholders. But I want everybody to hear this. Everybody's listening to this right now. Here is, you know, it's a, it's, it's a great thing to do, right? They didn't have to do it. It's a great thing to do. But I can guarantee you, based on the miles being driven right now, they're going to save that amount of money or more in, in payouts, right? Because oh, yeah. accident volume goes down. But oh, yeah. here's, here's the genius, okay? And this is, this is trust right here. This is trust in action. So I'm giving them an A plus for this. Their agents now all have a reason to call their customers for a wellness check. Mm. Hey, I'm just thinking about you. You know, how are you doing in this situation? Uh, is there anything I can do to help you? Oh, by the way, uh, you have two cars with us. So you're going to be getting a hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Now, I don't know what the driving force for this was, but, you know, big, big kudos uh, to that, right? Um, because it's, it's, that's trust. The most important thing anybody can do right now with their team members and their customers is to get in contact with them whether it's email or a phone call or whatever mechanism you have. Now, I'm not saying face-to-face. I'm not saying go knock on their door, <laughs> right? That's This isn't the time for that. What I'm saying is, is that when you show up and say, hey, I appreciate all the things we've done. We're doing everything we can to, 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 to grow through this time, and I know you are too. How, how are you doing? Is there anything I can do to help? Um, and what I'm advising everybody uh, in this time is look into the future with those on your team, the people you work with, and look into the future of your customers and clients and ask yourself this question. What problems are they going to face in this new environment, right, that I can help solve? Yeah. And that's it. So I just wanted to lead off with that because, uh, to me, it's, it's such a difficult and trying time. And if I had the magic wand, I would wave it away. But on the other side of it, from a human relationship perspective, man, we were, we were wired and created for much more of a coaching relationship than we were an author- authoritarian, top-down, bureaucratic yep. management-style relationship. Yep. Right. So there's going to be, you know, there's going to be some some wins in this and some fulfillment in this uh, as we grow through this. Well, and that's I think that is what we're all interested to see is what's the positive. You know, uh, we keep saying not the fallout, but the fall up. 
you know, that we may have these many deaths. We talked about this in the last show, this many deaths, literally from, you know, coronavirus. Of course, how many lives will be saved from the uh, betterment of the, uh, you know, of, of the environment pollution uh, that has gotten so dramatically better everywhere. And so here we're talking about, you know, the loss of money in the marketplace, in the economy, in some of the jobs and businesses. And yet, are we going to see some, you know, where are we going to see the positives like this? And what you, what you made me think of here is it's just going to the, the relationship building that's going to come up in some of these comments as we go through them, the relationship building is now going to become, or if we're going to do it well, become more intentional. Uh, and it's interesting, you know, what you said too, just about the, you know, the, the, the water cooler kind of talk that we're used to that now we're not having, you know, uh, my good friend, your doctor, my doctor as well, Dr. Randy James, and he, you know, at true life medicine where he practices functional medicine, it is more of a consultative actually it's dramatically it's a consultative approach it's not a clinical acute care type of thing he is talking to people about the deep issues of their health and wellness and talking with them generally they come to the office though probably uh 90% 85% is what it used to be uh they would come to the office and face to face and they a minimum appointment is an hour some appointments are 2 hours now uh wait, wait, this happened before though the ones that were by phone we know are shorter calls. And now that he's doing, of course, everything by phone and they're shorter calls because by proxy, you don't tend to have that chit chat and the check-in and the social graces and nuances that you have when you're face to face. Uh, it is more, as you said, it just by proxy, it's a little more business focused. It's a kind of get to the point and do that. And how is that going to play out? And I hear what you're saying that you know, I'll, and I'll even talk to him about that as we have lunch together today. Yeah. He's got to make sure to put those intentionally put those relationship check-ins in there and not just be straight about business. Cause it is, that's what well, it fosters. Yeah. I can bear witness. Uh, so I'm one of his patients, um, mm -hmm. that does the phone call, right? Yep. Cause you guys are up in the, the beautiful mountains of Colorado outside of Colorado Springs. And I'm in, I'm in Plano, Texas. And the thing we say about the Dallas Plano area is that you can travel anywhere in the world and the scenery's better. So, <laughs> yeah. so, but you know, he went over my last blood test with me. We spent an hour on the phone mm. line by line. And it wasn't, Hey, you know, this is, here's your score. Uh, you need to fix it. It was, Hey, you know what? This is how it was in relationship to last time. I think it's because you're doing this and this and you've cut that out. Um, have you noticed this or that? Right. It yeah. was very uh, intentional, very relational, very personal. Uh, one thing before we move on is if, if you are uh, in that coaching mindset, like where you want to be a coach and you want to learn more about how to do it specifically uh, around with business owners or in the corporate area, uh, who might be coaching a coach to, or coaching someone to coach their team, just reach out, just reach out to Ziegler. You can reach out to me, uh, Tom at Ziegler.com because this is the trend. This is the wave and this is where we're going. And you know, what's cool, Kevin, is I could just say dad's quote, you can have everything in life you want if you hope enough other people get what they want. Yeah. And so if you're a business owner or a manager of people and they're working from home, 
You just need to put yourself in their chair and say, what do they want right now? Well, and I want, I want to back up what you just said too. You're offering right there. Uh, I mean, what you're leading uh, us in is that we are all in business right now more than ever because of the the state of, of things. We are, we are coaches. So if you think you're a manager, you need to be a coach. If you think you're, you know, the boss, you need to be a coach wherever you are. We all need to step into that role. So I would hope that everybody takes you up on your offering. You are listening to the Ziegler show and our topic of gaining trust in your business. Next, we read the first listener comment and discuss the issue of transparency and a reminder that around the hour mark, we get into the issue and opportunity of exceeding expectations. I really don't want you to miss it. We'll get right back into the show after I share some great products and services with you. Well, so there's a couple of things that you said, you know, being a person of integrity, I want to hit on some of those issues specifically, but I'll just do it organically as we go down and read some of these comments. Cindy uh, Sipes, she says her effort in her business to create trust is complete transparency. She says, my clients are allowed to, and I think she does a coaching uh, type uh, business. My clients are allowed to look at the files I have on them. They're allowed to disagree with me. I am a hundred percent honest with them and willing to share with them my mistakes, including current ones, sharing how I still struggle, even though I'm teaching them how to avoid the struggle allows them to see I'm human and setbacks are not failures. Well, I appreciate her saying that because I was going to bring it up along with what you said, Tom, as you were showcasing the difference between that authoritative managerial role uh, as opposed to a coaching, a more relational role. I, I like that as a coach, for those of you who are out there in any place of authority, I I've seen that shift slowly. And I think what you said, Tom, this is just going to accelerate it, but I've been seeing that for a long time that we had that perspective. Some people did, there was a, a spirit of it somewhat amongst leaders amongst, if you're on a stage, if you're an author, an expert, a coach, a consultant, a speaker or whatever, if you're on stage, there used to be this. And I think that's what, well, that's why Zig stood out so much way back when, cause he didn't do this. It used to be, if you're on the stage, you're the speaker, you, you know, it all, you are the leader of it all. You have, you have figured it all out. You are there to tell the rest of the sheep out there, how things happen. Zig didn't do that. And I think that's a big reason what set him apart. He did have this confident humility uh, that he was so good at. But to what Cindy's saying there, I think people want that more than ever. They want that authenticity. They want humility. They want to know that even though, I mean, you obviously you have to have some merit and credibility as a leader, as an influencer, as a, as a coach, as a consultant, you've got to have some credibility. You've got to have had some success in that, whatever arena you're coaching in, in your life, you're a fitness instructor or fitness coach you probably should be fit. You probably should have a story of having gone from A to Z and having done that. But you can also do that with humility and say, man, it's a daily struggle for me as well. You know, I'm struggling. People right now uh, are, are really doing uh, remote fitness. Obviously they can't go to the, to the health club and, and whatnot. And for a trainer to say, look, folks, you've got to, you know, you, you've got to tackle this current 
crisis that we're in that has you at home. And the propensity is to sit on the couch and binge Netflix and not keep up with your health and fitness. Cause you can't go to the health club, especially those who are more social and really like that. That's like my wife, but for that person to say, and I get it, man, I'm struggling as well. I'm struggling as well. I, I, I have a hard time keeping my energy up and just being authentic as Cindy talks about that. We can be on the journey as well. Again, granted that, and you know, that balance, Tom, I have something to offer you. I, I am a guide. I've got some wisdom. I've got some experience to showcase, and I'm also still on the journey. Maybe I'm a, a little ways ahead of you uh, or, or however you want to frame that. But that's, I think, really important as you speak, specifically pointed out coaches these days that we come off. I don't know a better way to say it. Maybe you do a confidence and credibility, but humility. That's right. And I love what uh, Cindy said about transparency. Mm -hmm. So here's a, here's the best practice for our coaches out there. This is something that I do. I do higher end, what we call legacy coaching. And so with every coaching session, uh, we record it mm. and we record it with the permission, obviously of the person we're coaching. And then we go to the extra mile and we have it transcribed. Okay. So why is this so important? Because we send that transcription back to the person and we've given them a huge uh, notebook that they keep all these in because here's what's happens in relationships. You and I have a conversation and we agree on something. Well, time goes by and in our mind, we, sh we, we shape shift that agreement. <laughs> and I, I thought it meant this and you thought it meant that. Okay. So, and guess what? In most relationships, I'm 50% wrong mm -hmm. most of the time and, and you're 50% wrong, right? <laughs> And so this transparency, the opening of the files, that's kind of what we, that's kind of what we do. And so what I love to hear, to see is people in a coaching session, they share in their own voice, what it is they want to accomplish, what they're afraid of, the things that are holding them back, what they agree to. And then when they see that in writing, it, it helps take that to that next level. It gives them that yeah. That thing. And, and, you know, of course, if the client says, I don't want that recorded or, Hey, turn it off right here because this is real personal and I just don't want to take a chance. That's fine too. Okay. And by the way, we're doing coaching, not counseling. So we, we very rarely go into the, <laughs> into that. Cause we don't, we don't go there. Uh, but I love that, you know, yeah. transparency does so much to make a difference. And that's a big buzzword now. I mean, we're seeing that in the market. We have been for quite a while now, like as with hospital bills and the price structure and the things that have always been behind the scenes that we never know about when we go in to have that procedure done and we don't know what it actually costs. Usually the provider themselves doesn't know what it actually costs. And of course there's a big uh, big problem there, big crisis in healthcare because of that. But transparency comes out. So how can we be transparent? I think that that is becoming more and more a uh, requirement and a necessity. And it's great to look at how can we tangibly do that? Well, here's another one. Wendy, she cites a couple people, Jana Winslow. I, I don't know if these are coaches, consultants, Brandon Grown, but she says these guys, these folks have earned my trust quickly by being prompt quick to respond to my text messages and emails. They earn my trust this way because this is how I build trust uh, by being quick to respond. Plus I'm completely honest and transparent. I will tell you if my prices are high and it is not in your best interest to work with me. I think this is what most 
uh, what people like, uh, like what people like most about me. I'm not a high pressure sales person. Well, obviously we can comment on sales there, Tom. Um, I did want to pull out though, her aspect of being prompt, quick to respond to text messages and emails. Okay. You got to choose how you're going to do your business. Uh, as well. And that is, I think we're in an economy right now where people expect hope for quick responses. I know I, Tom, am a very impatient person. And when I send something, text, email to somebody, I pretty much would like to get a response immediately because whatever it is that I'm interested in, uh, I would like to address right now. There are some people who respond quickly like that. And I got to admit that I I like that. However, I also will admit, I don't really want to be that guy myself because I don't want to be that tethered to my phone, my device, my computer, my whatever uh, as well. So a way to address that as people hear this is to just pub uh, uh, very transparently, uh, but to showcase, this is when I will respond. And I appreciate that. And I think a lot of people have gotten into that and saying, uh, look, let's put that, let's put that coaching. This is not all just about coaches out there though. In some aspect, we're saying, Hey, if you're in business, you need to be positioning yourself as a coach, but to communicate with your customers, with your clients, Hey, this is when I will respond. Um, I respond, you know, during, I've seen people do that. I respond on, you know, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays between these times or every day between these times. And that is when you can expect my response. I appreciate that, uh, almost as much. Again, I got to admit that I like that immediate response, but then I also wonder about the person on the end of the other end of the line. And when I send an email from a thought I have at 11 o'clock or, or let's say dinner time, dinner time. Uh, to somebody and I get a response right back. And if I know that they have family and stuff, sometimes I'm wondering, geez, really, are you really that uh, connected to your phone that you're checking that out during what I would assume to be a dinner time? I also admire those who don't and they have those blocks of time. But again, to know this is when I will respond. So that's a way to address it without feeling like you have to be Johnny on the spot. And some people do that. Um, Tom, I know you see both ends of that spectrum as well. Yeah. You know, I think the key there is managing expectations. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, and it works different. People have different schedules. I can tell you, I'll give two giant thumbs up to two people who have got to be the busiest human beings on the planet. Uh, the, the absolute master at returning an email is Seth Godin. Unbelievable. Mm. I mean, most times, I get a response within five minutes and I don't know how he does it. Yeah. Okay. So my guess is, is that, uh, because he's always handled things instantly, it creates more time in his schedule. And the other person who's fantastic at it is Dave Ramsey. Hmm. Now Dave has a rhythm. So if you, if you, like, if I email him after about 11 in the day, I know it's going to be the next morning. He's never told me this is my schedule, but you know, we've just been corresponding over the years. So see both of those people now have, have, have like, I know what to expect. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I know what's going on and that's really consistency. So if managing expectations is what builds trust, what kills it is lack of consistency. It's like building a podcast. Hey, if you're going to come on once a month, come on once a month. If you're going to come on every two weeks, 
come on every two weeks. If yeah. you're going to come on once a week, come on once a week. But you can't come in this week and next week and then skip a month and then, you know, two in a row and things like that. Consistency is what builds trust. Yeah. Agreed. And speaking of Seth Godin, uh, folks, if you have not, if you're one of our newer listeners, haven't heard that it was a long time ago, actually, he was one of our early, uh, early guests that we had on the show. It was show 368. And you and I did that show together, I believe. Uh, but you can hear us talk with Seth Godin and hear his story of Zig Ziglar and the legacy that, that uh, was left in his life. And you know, the one that I thought of, Tom, as you talked about that is Guy Kawasaki. Uh, I, we interviewed him. It was show 555, folks, was our initial one. And then I had him on recently, show 711. And that 711 was a fun, fun show. And Guy is just, I appreciate him. He's just an interesting, fun, intuitive person. Uh, but he's one, Tom. If I, if I text him or email him, yeah, I'm always blown away because a lot of times within five minutes I'll get a response back and I know that this guy gets more emails than I can imagine more contacts I don't know how he does it I should ask him what his methodology is I I do want to before we move on to mention what Wendy talked about there I will tell you if my prices are high if it's not in your best interest I mean this is classic uh, you know, Ziegler sales training right there. Secrets of closing the sale. Speaking of Seth Godin, who talked about listening to that CD 70 times till the, till the thing broke and he had to get another one, uh, is, is one of the all time sales classics, if not the all time sales classic and talking about that as Ziegler Inc teaches sales is a transference of feelings and it is to be done with honesty, with ethics, with morality, uh, with integrity, as we've been talking about. And that is it right there. I love that one. That's my favorite. That's probably my favorite. Well, I'm an assumptive sale guy, uh, Tom, but my favorite spirit of sales is entering any sales arena, any sales contact initiative with walkaway power that I do not have to make this. I only make this if it is the best thing in the best interest for this person. Uh, and that's what Wendy is, is addressing right there. And, you know, and the interesting part of that, of course, is I don't know how many times when I've tried to talk somebody out of my product or service, cause I don't think it's best for them, how they generally then try to, they, they go to work selling me on why they need it. Um, there's a dynamic there. And folks, if you, if you're hearing that and you have not read secrets of closing the sale, seriously, it is, it's the pillar. It's the cornerstone of sales. Uh, do yourself a favor, get that book, uh, go to Ziggler.com, go to the online store and get that thing. Um, because it will, um, well, I think it's the best it's out there, Tom. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's our process. We, in our coaching, um, we, we, we teach an enrollment process, mm-hmm. not a sales process, an enrollment process. And really what it is, it's a series of questions that whoever is considering it has to answer. And our goal is for them to say, I want this. <laughs> not for us to say, hey, you know, if you get it before the end of the day, it's X. <laughs> you know, it's, it's right. It's why do you want this? Uh, dad used to say, and I think he was probably quoting somebody else. People, uh, don't, they don't like being sold, Mm -hmm. but they love being helped to buy. Yes. Yes. And that's the truth, right? There's nothing more, um, foundationally satisfying and, and, and give you, gives you confidence than when you're talking to an expert who can answer all of your questions in the realm of what you're looking at. And then uncovers what it is you really want and then helps you make 
you know, a great decision for you that's going to serve you. That's the key, right? I, I love that, Tom. Uh, decision. I is as, as of this recording, April 10th, 2020. And in every day going forward, I think we continue to have decision burnout. Uh, We're accosted with so many opportunities, so many offerings every day that generally I think people, including myself, we're looking for a reason to not have to even make a decision. I don't even want to make a decision. Sometimes I will miss out on great opportunities, great products, great services, because I just don't feel like making another decision and vetting that. So going to what you said, if somebody will help me, uh, help me buy, not sell me, but help me, help me figure out that decision, boil it down. Uh, I am incredibly grateful and it's such a big, such a big shift. Well, Thomas here pulls up something that I did want to hit based off your intro to this show, Tom. He says, I don't yet have my own business, but when I do, I will earn people's trust by being likable and having integrity. And I asked him, I said, how do you see integrity playing out? And he, Thomas replied, doing what I say, I'm going to do, I'm do what I do what I'm going to say. I'm going to do when I'm supposed to do it in the exceptional, exceptionally rare event that does not happen. I'm going to make it right. No matter what. Well, Tom, I wanted to hit just on integrity. It's a word. I, if we did, you know, what are, what are those little, uh, that word is like a wordle or something like that, where you paste a bunch of information or words in, and it comes out with what words stand out the most, you know, what words were most in that document or the text that you put into something. I think if we put every business website out there, integrity has got to be one of the ones that'll come up the most. Everybody wants, especially in the service industry, they want to, they want to use that word integrity so much. So now that I don't even look at it, I give it no credibility because everybody says that I want to see, how are you going to do that? Obviously, if you're in a relationship with somebody, with a customer client over the long haul and you have a lot of communication, your integrity will come through. But I think that's what everybody expects from day one. They're going to see that I care. They're going to hear my intent right? What's that quote about we judge other people by their actions and we judge ourselves by our intent. Think, yeah. Think about that with, with sales and with your business, we're judging ourselves by our intent. Other people are by our actions. And again, to build trust, to, to play out, to prove your integrity. And that takes it either takes a while, or we need to do some specific things to establish that we really are different. Again, everybody says that. Take a what's a service industry, Tom? I mean, take a a window cleaner, a landscaper, a builder, whatever. They are all those are companies that are always going to use the word integrity. We expect to see it on their website, on their business card, on their brochure, underneath their logo. Everybody says that. How do you really do it? And a lot of people say, "Well, I do what I say I'm going to do." Again, everybody literally is going to say that. How do you prove that? Obviously, it's a it's a sore spot for me, Tom, because I think it's been so diluted uh, that it doesn't set us apart. What are some ways you can actually uh, prove that you can actually showcase that? So I told you about one a little bit ago before we started the show. It was a company that hired me to consult for them, uh, do some brand consulting for them probably it was a long time ago. They're down in Colorado Springs is a window cleaning company. They started out window cleaning, but then they ended up doing all kinds of things from snow, uh, snow plowing to deck repair, to painting, to all kinds of things. And, uh, same thing. They wanted to prove that. Well, they did something very tangible, very smart 
to put their, put their money in their mouth in essence. And they said, look, we know we found out that one of the biggest gripes in our industry, in the service industry, but in their specific one was that people don't show up on time and homeowners are used to that. They say, okay, yeah, you know, these, we joke about that today. You know, I, so-and-so they're supposed to show up. Well, we talk about that, like with the cable company or the internet company, when are they going to come between a window of, you know, 12 to five? Well, thanks a lot. I hate that. Uh, that's my, my internet company is just like that. And so service industry, we're used to people not showing up and you hang around and you wait an hour or they show up an hour earlier or whatever. This company said, look, we will show up within five minutes, give or t- you know, five minutes ahead or, 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 or after we'll, we'll show up within five minutes of the time that we give you or, and I don't remember if it was five or 10%, but they'll t- we'll take five or 10% off their quoted price. Dude, I, if I'm going to pick between five companies and I see that one on their brochure, um, I'm going with that one. That, that honors my time. I can plan my day around that. And nobody else has given me that kind of a guarantee. That also hits the guarantee aspect, giving a guarantee that literally has some kind of weight. Um, I, I, Tom, any other specifics that come to mind with you for something of that nature? Just a saying, um, and this is from Rabbi Daniel Lappin. Um, yep. He said, uh, you know, and, and of course, this is true in the public sphere and politics and business leaders and everything else. He says, look, don't listen to what people say. Watch what they do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so everybody's going to say, you know, every politician out there uh, is going to say, hey, uh, you know, <laughs> integrity is the number one thing with me. Uh, I, you know, my word, blah, 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 blah. Pay no attention to that. Watch what they do. Yeah. And, and I'll give my own example of this. Um, and I wrote about it in the book, choose to win and Howard Partridge. We've had a business partnership relationship for over eight years now. And when we were kind of putting it together, I, I said, Howard, we're going to refer our best clients to you. And some of them, it's not going to be a fit, right? All the intentions are going to pay up front, blah, blah, blah. And then a week, a month into it, they're going to come back and say, life happened, I need the money back. Or it's not a fit. What are you going to do? And all he said was, is I'll make it right. And now for eight years, I go to bed every night without any worry because I've watched him make it right every single time. Hmm. (laughs) And so, you know, there's two kinds of testimonials. Hey, they really took care of me, which is awesome, right? Everything went good. There were no obstacles. And I think later on there was a, there was even a comment about it, but the best testimony in the world is this happened and they made it right. Yeah. Because we're all human. Yep. To me, the trust, the integrity, the, the, the reputation, it really gets built on the pillars of how do we make it right? Yeah. Uh, I'll tell a sales story. Um, when I was a kid working at the athlete's foot at Valley View mall, hmm. uh, <laughs> 16 years old selling shoes. I mean, is life good or what? So I, I, I'm in there and this, this family, it's a mom and dad and their son and their son is probably 16 or 17 and he's about my age and he's like a very competitive tennis player and 
he comes in and they want to return his tennis shoes. And they are, they are shredded. I mean, they are beat up. And they said, well, why do you want to turn their tennis shoes? And they said, well, you know, they don't fit right. He got all kinds of blisters from the tournament. Well, our policy at the store was we'll re you can return anything for a full refund or exchange as long as we can resell it, yeah. right? I mean, I can't tell you how many pairs of shoes I put on people and said, hey, go walk up and down the mall if you need to. You know, make sure they fit. Wear them around your house. But as soon as you put scuffs on them, we, you know, unless there's a defect, we can't take it back. So they came in, and obviously that's not what had happened, right? He'd, he'd worn this for a weekend tournament. He probably played, you know, six or eight matches over a three-day period. And the parents kept saying, no, no, it, the, the shoe is defective. And, we're, and their manager's looking at the shoe, and there's nothing wrong with the shoe. He just bought a shoe that didn't fit. So they argued for 45 minutes back and forth and back and forth. And finally the manager just threw his hands up, gave him the money. So I go home and I tell dad the story and dad says, well, never lose twice. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? He said, well, obviously the customer was wrong, but as a business, you've got to decide. Yeah. Are you going to keep your money or are you going to keep your customer? Yeah. Right. But never lose twice, never lose your money and your customer. So that 45 minute argument was losing twice. Yep. Okay. And so golly, at 16, I got that lesson and yeah. you know what? It's in almost every case, uh, there's always, a, it's always better to keep your customer. Right unless they have a pattern and then boy, you know, raise their price. <laughs> yeah. I mean, bottom line. Well, what's the old, what's the old quote? Isn't it when you, it was something effective, you know, when you win an argument with a customer, you both lose. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a no win, no win situation. Uh, Tom, that, that, it, you know, okay. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to share one from my youth as well, that on that aspect of making it right. Uh, I waited tables as a, as a youngster and I'd, I, I did, uh, I worked at high end restaurants. I was great with the personal connection with taking care of people. My detail skills are lacking. I, I was really consistent, unfortunately consistent with forgetting appetizers. Somebody would order an appetizer, you know, and then, uh, a little bit later I, I get their dinner order and I, I can't even remember how I did it so badly and I would forget the appetizer. And then here I come and I'm bringing out their fancy dinner and they would remind me, uh, we ordered an appetizer. Well, I have their dinner hot and ready to go. Now I can't make up for that. I can't change time. Now give them their, go back, give them their appetizer and then give them their meal. The meal will not be warm any anymore. And so I can't make up for that. I have messed up. Um, but I can try to overcompensate. And so what I would historically do consistently do is desserts on me, folks. I am so sorry. Dessert is absolutely on me. And a lot of times I wouldn't tell them that, right? I, I apologize, whatever, but then I would come back desserts on me. And at this restaurant, uh, one specifically, the desserts were really expensive. Uh, and, I, but I think that my cost as an employee was like five bucks or something like that. So I'm giving up five bucks. Well, here's what would happen. People would be so blown away by my efforts to overcompensate that they would tip me 
on average, five or 10% more than the average. And it almost, I joke about it. I couldn't get myself to do it, but it was almost, uh, it was tempting just to make that my habit to do that with every, every, every table to purposely not give them their appetizer, make the mistake, fess up to it, overcompensate for it with the free dessert, because my tips would always be higher as a result of doing that. And I took that into business and to say, when we make a mistake, the, there's an opportunity to wow the person, but to realize the thing that stood out to me though, is we can't a lot of times, and you can go into different business. If you make a certain mistake, you cannot make up for that. You cannot give that person that time back, depending on what the you know product or service you're dealing with. You can't give them that time back, man, overcompensate for, for that. And you can flat out blow people away and wow them. And I, Tom, I, I can't think of the last time I had that happen to me. We just don't see that in business today for the most part especially in just the average day-to-day commodities that we all consume. If somebody makes a mistake, they, you know, maybe at best you get an, I'm sorry. And, uh, and that's it. And, and the, the opportunity they have to talk about earning trust, that's one of the biggest ones, what you said, making it right. How can you make it right? All right. Here's one, Vincent. He he cites a guy. Uh, you'll appreciate this time. He's Tom. He says uh, Ken Hoops, and he tagged the guy on Facebook. The way he runs his business is inspiring and so generous. And I said, man, hey, tell me tell me what it is that uh, this guy does. Does he says he he often says of Ken, make sure your client always gets the better end of the deal. Uh, he said Ken runs a martial arts studio. Uh, in Minnesota, they were hit hard by this virus, the coronavirus. Because of how they treat their clients, they had to shift total, to totally online in less than a week, and they barely lost any clients. It's an amazing transition while so many of his competitors are forced to close. It's all because of how they run their business. Well, he tagged this guy, Ken Hoops, and uh, Ken came on. And he, say, he, of course, thanked Vincent. And he says, I believe what earns trust is serving over selling. It's key to always be serving at the highest level and make sure your customer, this is my favorite part, and make sure your customers get the better end of the deal. I truly believe that will get us through this current situation that we're in. I had two clients tell me they needed to cancel service today. I told them to pay what they can if they can, but not to cancel. One's a $2,000 client. One's a $9,000 client. They've been, they've been there for us. So we're going to work with them. Even if they can pay little or zero, we owe it to them. Love that perspective, but man, that makes sure the customer to think about that, Tom, that's a perspective I adore. How can you make sure your customer client feels like they are getting the best end of the deal? And the perspective, <clears throat> excuse me, that I had to learn was to under promise and over deliver. That is not my nature, Tom. That's not my nature with my wife. Even, I mean, she knows she, she, she called me out on this years ago in our marriage. I would always promise to the nth degree. I'm trying to inspire, go for the gusto. We're going to do X, Y, Z, shoot for the stars, all that. And I would promise the, the absolute pinnacle of what's possible. Well, generally you're not going to hit that. So now, even if I do a great job, but I don't quite hit that, I have not met back to what you talked about earlier. I have not met expectations and I have learned from a tactic with my wife, with my kids and with my clients to promise less than what I think that I'm going to deliver so that I can 
overcompensate for. It's so hard on my nature because I want to promise the moon. That's just, I, that, that's what's in my mind. That's what gets me excited. But man, you're generally not, you know, I, I may not attain that. So under promise and over deliver has become such a focal point that I have to, again, I have to be so cognizant of because it's not my natural inclination. Oh my goodness. It pays off in space. And we can all look at our business for everybody listening right now. What product or service do you offer? How can you position it in a way where you can, you know, you can give them more than what they, what uh, exceed the expectation, Tom, right? Yep. You know, one of the examples that, that we talk about when we teach our, uh, our business clients, this is that when you're setting up expectations, a lot of times it's great before you set any to find out what the client's expectation is. So let's say there's a project that you need to have done for a client and you say, when would you like that done? They might say Friday and you know, in your head, well, I was planning on getting it done on Wednesday, right? Two days ahead of their schedule. Yep. So instead of saying Friday's great, but we could get it to you on Wednesday. Is that okay? Well, they're going to say, yeah, sure. Okay. But the problem is, is now, uh, now they expect it on Wednesday. So when you get it in on Wednesday, it doesn't really have that boom effect. <clears throat> and so what we like to say is fantastic. We'll have it to you on Friday mm -hmm. and then call them Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. Hey, guess what? We were able to get on this earlier. Do you want it now? Is that okay? <laughs> What are they going to say? Yeah. Yes. So either way, you're 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 exceeding it. You're exceeding expectation in that that second uh, place so much better. Yeah. Right. The other thing too is, you know, we used to say uh, when they would say, "Hey, could you do this training for us?" and we would say, "Sure." So we would say, "Training equals X." Right. We're going to charge you X for this training. Well then we realized we were selling ourselves short because we didn't describe in, in full uh, view what it takes to do that training. So then we started including underneath it, you know, eight hours of research, five phone calls, you know, two hours of prep, custom this, da, 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 da. and we say, Hey, just so you know, this is what we're going to deliver to you. <laughs> and they see the long list, right? And, and the reason that's so important is because we, unless we educate those we serve on what we do and what it takes to create it, they think that it just happens in a magic box and, and they ask us and it pops out. Mm -hmm. So the more we inform them about what we do, the higher their regard is when we go in and do it. Yeah. And that's what we want. So why is that important? Well, if I have a higher regard and belief in you as an expert, I am more likely to actually implement whatever recommendation you give me. It's why doctors have diplomas on the wall. Yeah. Right. It's why the smart ones say, Hey, I went to this conference. I studied this. Here's a, here's something that might be of interest as a patient. I want to know, are you learning? Are you, are you out there on the cutting edge? Are you, are you looking at the most innovative things? There's a lot of doctors who do all that, but don't tell their patients any of it. Right. 
Well, the, the, the harm in it isn't that the doctor is better or worse. The harm in it is that the patient might be less likely to follow through with the instructions, compliance. Yep. And that's a key. So if we want to serve our customers, we also build trust by informing them on why we are the best people to serve them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There's again, so much, what can we do to, I'm just, I'm just stuck on the exceeding the expectations. I would love if nobody walked away with anything else, but that, what can you do to talk about trust to exceed expectations? And and I do, I want to put it out there. It is so, it is so hard for me, Tom. And I think that I'm not alone in that as an entrepreneur, we all want to promise the moon. We want to excite people, inspire people. So to hold something back I'm, I'm, I'm terrible with surprises. I don't want to hold anything back. I want to tell if I buy something for somebody, I'm going to give it to them now. I I can't wait uh, to hold back, but my goodness, it's so important. What can we do to hold back in our businesses to have something to offer that's an exceeding the expectation. And I I want to point out just a couple uh, quick ones. My dad, Dan Miller of 48 days, Uh, to the work you love. He, I don't know when this started, Tom, but it has been worth its weight in absolute gold. At some point when people would purchase a book, a workbook, uh, a a CD series or whatever, DVD or whatever it was uh, from him, they would ship it out. And at some point he got the idea to just add something extra in there. And it was mints, these kind of gourmet little peppermints. And he would put in most boxes, I think, you know, if it was a a big enough order or whatever, but 40, I think it was 48 mints, 48 days makes sense. 48 mints. He would put those in there. The mileage that that got him, people going on, I remember back when it started happening, people would talk about it on social media. They would take pictures of the box, 48 minutes. I mean, the cost of that is a nickel, a dime. I don't know what it was. was, He buys them in huge bulk quantities. And the impact it made on people for something relatively so small and they do it to this day. Um, he even does it when he's that, when my mom sends a care package to my family, we'll get it in the mail, open it up. And and there's not packing peanuts. There's mints in the thing. I mean, that's just, it's their brand and they have gotten to be so known for that. Such a small thing that makes them stand out. Anybody who's out there shipping something, the opportunity to insert a little something extra in there, is, uh, it's invaluable. Another one that I know, and I've talked about on the show before, I'm in a little town up here in the Rocky mountains and there's probably, I don't know, eight, nine, 10, something like that. Car mechanics. I know one that I can, that I can name that stands out because if you take your car there, no matter for what, if it's a complete engine redo, or if it's a change the oil, when you come to pick your car back up, or when you come out from their waiting room to get your car, they cleaned it. They keep a kid on staff at all times that they're probably paying 12 bucks an hour. I don't know what, who just washes cars when they're done. And when you get that car done, you feel like, first off, the pers- you're, you're, you're wowed by it, but the perspective of what they did to your car increases tenfold. However, whatever they did to change my car. Now, obviously a lot of times we take our cars in and when it's whatever's fixed is nothing that we can feel. It wasn't bad. It was a check engine light or something. And so what was it? So you just spent 300 bucks or a thousand bucks on something that you can feel no difference with at all. So it feels like a loss, but the fact that they just cleaned the car, they took 10 minutes, seven minutes, whatever to wipe down the car. 
it by, especially up here where we, with the snow and a lot of dirt roads, all of our cars are always dirty. So it's a big, big difference here, especially. And to make that little difference. And it now has soured me against any other mechanic. When I take my car there and I come to get it and it's dirty. I've even thought about that with my bike. I've got a a $5,000 mountain bike and I take it in to get something done to it. And it's of course always trash dirty and I get it back and it's trash dirty. The little bit that they could do to wash that thing and give it back to me. My feeling of the value I got is exponentially higher. And they gave me a reason to go there as opposed to the next bike shop and give me a little bit of loyalty, such little things. That may be the title of the show, exceeding expectations. That alone uh, I don't know if there's much more we can do to build trust, obviously integrity, honestly, but to prove it just to exceed the expectation. I, I I'm excited about it because it's so, ex- it is so exciting yeah, and it's so, absolutely. it's so rare though. I mean, Tom, right now, if I put you on the spot, I'm trying to think of myself too. When was the last time product or service, something you paid your money for, you chose to go and give your money to X, Y, Z and they exceeded your expectation. I, 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 I have nothing that comes to mind. Right off the bat, how many places I have chosen to go give them my money and they think that they did. Maybe that, that deserves a, a moment, Tom, that when we do what we are paid to do, that's all we did was we met the expectation. That's exactly what the customer expected. So if you think that you were hired to do X, Y, Z, or somebody gave you money to provide this product and you provided it, you think you did a great job. All you did though was meet what they really hoped that you would do anyways, which is provide the product or service they paid for. So you just met their expectations. That makes you stand out. Not at all. And if you think you, you do it better than somebody else or you do it, however, again, if you, if they, if they got what they paid for, all you did was meet their expectation it really is not uh, gonna, gonna create loyalty out of anybody. Cause somebody else can come along and say they do it better, sell to do it cheaper, whatever. But if you exceed the expectation, now you're second to none. So obviously, cause we can't even think of one that we've experienced. Yeah, well, ourselves. I've had a few minutes now. The last one that like head and shoulders was, I went and saw the greatest showman with Hugh Jackman last year. Okay. And it was unbelievable. And the reason it exceeded my expectations uh, was because it felt like to me that Hugh Jackman himself was, this is going to be the greatest show ever, right? His connection, his energy, everything. It was just and the way he talked to the crowd and a personalization and nothing was hurried and everything was on spot. I mean, it was because we've all seen performers, you know, they're, 40 cities and you know in 60 days and blah 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 and we know what it's like when they get in the middle of something but that just really stood out but it wasn't it wasn't the perfectionism and the expertise of the numbers it was the care and concern of the connection with the people he had the conversations with Hmm. right because sometimes in, in those type of events you can see where it's just kind of part of the script and sometimes you can see like, Hey, he's really, he's really having fun talking to that person, you yeah. know, some random person. So it was, that was, that was it. Um, and I had really high expectations for that event too. So that's why it stands out. So yeah. here's the thing. If you're a reputation based company and you have a great following, uh, people walk in with a higher level of expectation. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do? to take it up a notch. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, and Ziggler, we get this all the time. Um, 
you know, we're not perfect. So every now and then, you know, we'll, we'll ship something out. It's not quite right. Or we'll do, we'll, we'll, you know, something will fall through the cracks and we get read the riot act, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and usually, usually the, the email comes to me, what would your dad say? <laughs> so, so there you go. Right. Yeah. That's the standard and the expectations. So, you know, if anything, we're constantly reminded, Hey, guess what? You know, it's like dad's little, little story. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll tell this story. When dad was a little boy, he's hoeing beans in the garden and he, and, and I won't go into the whole story, but you know, he was seven or eight years old. It was a hard job for a seven or eight year old. He gets done. He's got all, you know, he's cleaned out the weeds. His mama comes to look at him, my grandmother, and she shakes her head and said, that's not good enough. You need to do it again. He does it again. She says it's not good enough. And he's, and then he says, well, but look, every, you know, this is good enough for anybody, you know? And he said, for most boys, this would be fine. And his mom, my grandmother looked at him and said, you're right. For most boys, it would be fine, but you're not most boys. You're my boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Right. This isn't for most businesses would be fine, but it's not most businesses. It's my business. Yeah. That's the kind of attitude that we need to have. Well, and I'd be remiss if I didn't point out, gosh, and I'm, I'm going to have to do a quick search here. Uh, Cause I just thought about it, but Dina Dwyer Owens, um, her company, it used to be, they changed the name, Tom. Now it's neighborly, but it used to be, um, the Dwyer group. Right. Yeah. So she was on our show. We've had her on the show twice, actually. All right, I'm, I'm doing a quick search here. 402 is the last one that I see. Um, I know we had her on twice, but 402. She wrote a book called, I think it was Values Inc. Uh, is, the, is that they built their company, and at the time they were doing about $2 billion in revenue on values and how they literally tangibly implemented them in their business. And the, I remember the show because what came out of it was not as this only the, uh, the, not, not as only the right thing to do the right way to do business again, integrity, uh, morality, ethics, honesty, all those things, but she showcased and it pays off. We did $2 billion. I mean, it was really an irrefutable perspective to look at, again, how do you, uh, I'm going to say, exceed expectations, which I'm just stuck on. And, you know, Tom, I want to point, we have a lot of folks here that know Dave Ramsey, that listen to Dave Ramsey uh, for as long as anyone can remember who listens to him. He promotes Churchill Mortgage. Um, my one gig uh, in my career as an employee was with Churchill Mortgage in their early, pretty, pretty early days. And I was brought on to help in the marketing department. And the focus was to, re to increase repeat and referral business. That's a mortgage. You don't do a mortgage every year. You know, it's a long, it's a long-term thing, but they wanted to make sure anybody they did business with came back to them and referred them. One of the initial things that we did, we, we actually took out a different office. So their office was on the third floor, fourth floor, whatever the building was. We took out an office on the first floor, people walk in and a couple little things that we did, we put their name on the, on a placard. The door was open. So we had the door open. You don't even have to open the door to come in and, you know, kind of have that uncomfortable moment as a customer, the door's wide open. There's a placard in front and it says, welcome Mr. And Mrs. Smith, your name's right there. You walk in, 
And the receptionist didn't say hi. She said, well, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It's not that hard to do. There are appointments at two. It's two o'clock. Here comes a couple. You can pretty much guess that. Uh, Welcome, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. They're greeted by name. And then they were ushered into this fancy conference room type thing. And we had gourmet beverages, you know, coffee and sodas and whatever, and gourmet cookies where you could smell the smells wafting around of these gourmet, really expensive. Uh, they were known throughout Nashville area, uh, cookies and, you know, three different types of that. And we even went further because at first we started doing this and we said, Hey, you know, would you like a cookie? And only about 20% of the time would people say yes. It's just kind of human nature. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm fine. You know, would you like a cookie? Would you like a drink? No, no. And so we just changed the vernacular because we wanted them to experience this to say, hey, would you like coffee or a soda or some sparkling water? Uh, would you like this, you know, chocolate chip? Would you like uh, uh, oatmeal raisin or would you like, you know, whatever the other type was? Would you? 80, now all of a sudden, 85% of the people all accepted it and they experienced it. That was it. Then we went through a little spiel of saying, Hey, we are not, you're not seeing us promoting, you know, to tons of strangers out there. We're putting all our efforts into you. Why? We want to wow you. We want this to be one of the most exciting, exceptional experiences you've ever had with a company. And we're going to do that. And we rely though on your repeat and your repeat business and your referrals. Um, right now, as you're going through this process, you're probably talking to other people about buying a house, right? And you've probably talked to somebody recently and they're doing it as well. We want their business. So we're going to wow you in order to get it. Yada, yada. We, in a course of two years, quadrupled the repeat and referral business. It, it was unprecedented through really little things. Because once they entered into their mortgage uh, process, it wasn't dramatically different than they're going to get anywhere else. I mean, it's going through a mortgage. You got to go through the details, but those little things on the front end, that was a uh, seemingly, it seems like a big effort to go to, but man, if you can get a referral from them, what's the, what's the revenue from that? It's, it's gigantic. I mean, that was a, another, another big one that I was involved in Tom. And I've wondered since then, I've never experienced that. I've bought homes, I've bought homes, I've done refis, I've been in title companies, I've been in mortgage mortgage companies, dealt with realtors, and I so seldom see anything that's beyond the average. It gives me a reason to think of them, do business with them again, be loyal with them again. And so we see these examples, and yet I don't know why they're not emulated. But I hope people take that and think, what can they do to exceed an expectation? All right, Tom, I get time for one more. I got one more for us. One more. I, w- I just got a curiosity question. Yeah. So did Churchill Mortgage or Dave Ramsey start serving cookies first? I'm going to bet Churchill did. I mean, we implemented that thing. I didn't know Dave did. Is that a deal they do? Oh, yeah. Martha's Bakery when you go there. Yeah. Huh. Back in the day with Churchill, it was uh, I think it was Christie's Cookies. Uh, and it was well, a gourmet. Well, Dave, when they got to a certain size, they started baking them right there inside have a little cafe. Well, we should ask the owners, ask Dave Ramsey and ask Mike Cardwick who owns Churchill and let them duke it out on who came up with it. I'm going to bet I'm going to bet that we did, but, uh, uh, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I bet those guys know or they'll argue (laughs) it. Uh, well here, I got one more for us. Terry Johnson here. He says, we keep in touch in the good times and the bad random calls for no reason, but just to say hello. And are you okay? It goes a long way in showing true care and character when you have nothing to sell them. Okay. That stood out to me because in show 623, uh, I had John Rulin, R U H L I N on the show. He wrote a book called giftology. 
So this guy, this guy wanted to be, uh, he, well, he's about gifts. Let me just put it there. He's about gifts. Listen to that show. But here's the thing. He is about giving gifts when you're not trying to get something from somebody, just doing it randomly. And he actually goes through a methodology of it's not to send something, give somebody a gift to get something from them, to have reciprocity from them, to entice them, to do something for you. And it's also not just giving a gift to thank somebody for something that they do. That's a reason. He says, we're trying to find a time and a way to give somebody a gift to connect with them. Like Terry talks about out of the blue for no reason. Uh, and he's walked it out with me. John is a big fan of uh, Costco, not, uh, not Costco, Cutco, Cutco knives. Uh, which I actually had some to begin with. Well, now I have a whole fleet of them because every so every few months or so, I'll get one, uh, a new set, a new new knife, and it has not just uh, it, 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 here. Here's the key: it doesn't have his logo on it, doesn't have his name on it. It has my name, and it says custom made or custom uh, custom engraved something like that for. And it's Kevin and Terry. My, myself and my wife. He just made a fan out of my wife. This is for my family. Something we talk about constantly. People over at my house and they'll see the knife and it has the engraving. Man, they're impressed. And I tell the story about John Rulin. I've talked about that. Well, here I am again. So here's show, what number is a 776? And once again, I'm talking about John Rulin and giving him promotion. What is the benefit, the monetary benefit uh, 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 benefit that he's gotten from me talking about having him on the show, talking about him so often. It's, I have no idea. I'm, I'm sure I would guess tens of thousands of dollars. And he sent me, I don't know how much he spent on these knives himself, but going back to what Terry said to, to contact somebody out of the blue, not when you need something, not when you want something just to connect with your client base, uh, just to check in, whether it's a phone call, a text, an email, or to send them something. And you know, you've got to look at what your revenue potential is, and maybe you can't do a fancy high-end knife. What could you do to send something to somebody? Not at Christmas. He talked about that. He doesn't, he doesn't promote that his clientele uses his gifts and, and, and his methodology at those specific, those expected times, but to do it when it's not expected, do it out of the blue. Obviously it does build reciprocity. It's unprecedented. Uh, but to what Terry said, what can we do to connect with people when we don't, when we aren't trying to get something out of them? That was big for me, Tom. It was convicting because I did, I felt like I was doing that, but I was doing it when you would expect it. And he's saying, man, no, you're missing it. You're missing the power of it. Do it when it's not. And again, not my nature. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, uh, I can't really add to that other than a principle a quote I learned from, once again, Rabbi Daniel Lappin. Here it is. Opportunity seeks out the generous. Hmm. That's great. And that's the whole story in one sentence. Hey, when you're generous with your gifts, opportunity will seek you out. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's coming back to, you know, at the top of the show, you talking about doing uh, being intentional, uh, you know, being intentional in relationship building, which we could also probably give that as an umbrella over all this. It is about investing in those relationships. Um, folks, a lot of people posted on this. Uh, if you want to read some more testimonies, you can, uh, this was posted on April 7th. If you go to my Facebook page, uh, agent K Miller, you can find a bunch more entries there. Thanks to everybody who, who posted these, but yeah, I hope we, I hope you heard some tangible ways to build trust because again, we all think about our own intent, 
but it's, it's not so easy to prove that. Well, I should say it's not, it's not natural to prove it in a real tangible way. I hope we gave you some ideas, Tom. I'm, I'm excited. I got to think of some people I can go. Wow. Out of the blue. (laughs) That's right. All right, brother. Thanks. Good stuff. Thank you. Okay, friends, as I just said, I truly hope this show has helped give you some action steps that you can take to tangibly instill trust in your business and yourself. Uh, Your good intentions, again, they're not enough. Meeting expectations is not enough. But the opportunity to stand out and really gain trust is immense. Well, coming up in episode 777, what picture are you painting with your life? Folks, You got to tune in for this profound message. You are painting a picture to everyone you have contact with at every moment of your life with every action. What does the picture represent? Scott Stearman is going to join us. He is a renowned sculptor whose life-size sculptures are the focal point of many, many military compounds and faith-based institutions and universities across America. Well, he has a message he is now delivering on stages across America as well, asking, what does your Jesus look like? And for those of you who do claim Christ, this is going to hit you in the heart and I think right between the eyes. But the message is relevant for anyone who desires to have a positive influence on the world. As the saying goes, we judge ourselves by our intentions and others judge us by our actions. We mentioned that earlier in this, in this show. And friends, your actions and behavior belie who you are at the core. What you truly believe is who and how you are lifting others up and inspiring them to more. Hey, don't miss this show. Again, if you care to truly have a positive influence on anyone, don't miss show 777. Till then, folks, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. <laughs>